It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. The neatest thing about tropical fishes is that there's so damn many varieties to play with, right? And within the different varieties are all sorts of species nuances like temperament, dietary preferences, size, and interesting behavioral aspects. These nuances can often help us discover fishes that are actually well-suited for the types of aquariums that we play with. Some do find their way into our tanks quite regularly. Others tend to be really elusive. I wonder why I've been so obsessed with the more elusive fishes over the years. I can't figure it out, but I guess it's because it was such a pro- I was a you know prolific reader of fish books growing up, or maybe because I'm fascinated by the, the habitats from which some fishes come from, which has resulted in me researching and looking for some rather obscure fishes found in them. And the crazy thing is that many of them are simply not kept in the hobby at all. Have you ever had a fascination with a fish that you absolutely know you'll probably never keep or even see in the hobby for that matter? Yeah, that's me. Some are so hypothetical, a term I hijacked a long time ago to mean, dude, you'll never find those little bastards, <laughs> to be almost mythical. You know, like some of the really rare blackwater dwelling live bears, of which there are a few. Of course, they're just plain dull and have so little commercial value that they're likely angrily tossed back by the native fishers because they foul the nets as bycatch when they're looking for some more interesting fishes. Read that, saleable fishes. Makes sense, economic realities often supersede our geeky individual obsessions. Nonetheless, there are a surprisingly large number of live bears found in environments we might be fascinated by. At least just enough species to keep you on your toes, waiting, watching, and wondering if they'll ever show up in the hobby. And then there are the really unusual fishes. One example? Well, it's more of a group, really. Knife fishes. Think about this. They're epic fishes with all sorts of fascinating ones. Now, the wrap on most of the knife fishes is that they get really large. They're nocturnal. They're cryptic. They're predatory, etc., etc. I admit that. Most of them are. Some simply get too large and hide like mad during the day, and or at least any time of the day that you're likely to be in front of your aquarium. I don't know about you, but paying pretty good money for a fish uh, whom you might never see or maybe only see the tail of maybe three times a year, all the while pandering to its specialized dietary requirements can get real old after a while, right? Yeah. However, they're my weakness. If there was ever a bunch of fishes that I'd love to break my no large fish rule, yeah, I fucking hate keeping large fishes, it would be these guys. However, there are smaller ones. Yeah, you heard me. Ones that reach reasonable sizes, some which don't even spend every second of their existence hiding. Sure, I know my favorite of all, the black ghost knifefish, uh, after notice Alba Franz, will often become rather tame and come out all, you know, all the time, but they do get pretty large, and, well, I give them a, fa- a pass for that because they're such cool fishes. But there are others out there that really fit my bizarre you know, requirements, like the Hypomodae aka grass knife fishes there's 30 some odd species in the amazon region only a few of which have ever found their way into the aquarium trader hobby the neatest thing about these fishes is that they're generally considered smaller than those big guys the clown knives the banded knives etc many come from small rainforest streams rivulets even flooded forest floors and other habitats that we're kind of into around here so yeah 
they tend to spend most of their daylight hours hiding in the leaf litter. Well, we can offer them that, right? And they come out at night after the lights go out and they like to eat insect larvae and small crustaceans. So providing the right kinds of foods isn't really that hard for these fish. The tricky part is obtaining them to begin with, acclimating them, getting them to overcome their natural shyness and feeding them at the right time of day or night typically. I'd imagine that creating an aquarium for these fishes would be pretty much challenge free as far as we're concerned. It's the ability to enjoy them, i.e. see them when we want, that could be problematic. Nevertheless, the possibilities are tantalizing, aren't they? My dream species, in case you're wondering, it's a fish called Microsternarchus bilineatus. It reaches a length of no larger than about four and three quarters inches, maybe 12 centimeters. Can you imagine a knife fish that's no bigger than 12 centimeters? Yeah, I admit I've never seen this species in the hobby and likely never will. However, it's that chance of stumbling upon one that was collected as bycatch or whatever, which you know, finds its way to the wholesalers and gets through here and somehow shows up in the hobby. That's what gets, you know, busy fish geeks like me excited and on the hunt for years. I'm also strangely fascinated by the Prochilodontidae, like the families Curamatidae, Prochilidus, etc. These are larger kind of neurotic fishes, some of which can reach these huge sizes, like 30 inches, that's 80 centimeters. I mean, big, big fish. They're found throughout the Amazon basin. And I'll be the first to tell you, they aren't the most attractive fishes you can keep either. They're often associated with you know, marginal lagoons and flooded grassy areas, which we kind of know by now. And are they good fishes to keep? I mean, people keep prochilidus and, and semi-prochilidus, like the flagtails, and they do reach respectable sizes, like 15 inches or 40 centimeters or more, making them possible long-term residents of truly huge aquariums. But again, I generally dislike large fishes, or should I say keeping large fishes in aquariums. I just have this thing about small fishes in large tanks. So why do I have the remotest interest in this group? I like what they eat. I love how they are serious detritivores. I find this type of feeder to be really, really interesting as a resident of a botanical style aquarium because they're adapted to processing the decomposing and mineralizing botanical materials as they're broken down by microbial and fungal growth. This is a perfect type of fish to include in one of our systems, isn't it? If only there were a smaller version. Well, guess what? There are smaller fishes which consume detritus. What about the hemiotis? These are pretty social fishes. They typically attain a much smaller size, like six inches, which is still pretty big. Uh, that's about, what, 16 centimeters. Um, and they feed largely, though not exclusively, upon detritus and mud, filamentous algae, and some aquatic plants as well. And they're typically found in smaller forest streams as opposed to large rivers and tributaries. Perfect residents for larger versions of our style of aquarium, aren't they? Now, they've been observed in nature following fishes like stingrays, which so they, they follow these fishes that stir up the substrate, and they're snapping up various foods. And, wow, that would be an interesting display if you had a, a massive aquarium and you're into rays and, you know, whatever. As you surmise, I have, like, zero interest in rays and elasmobranchs and all those kind of fishes. But, anyway, there are smaller ones even, still, even like Chilotus punctatus. This is one I have kept, the spotted headstander. Not the most exciting looking fish. It's basically a silver gray fish with a lateral stripe and a lot of little dots on its body. They reach no more than about you know, a little over three inches, about 80 millimeters in length. I've kept this species in botanical style aquariums before and found them incredibly interesting. They spend all day long foraging in the leaf litter, picking at fungal growths on the, on the roots and wood. Really neat. And again, what I find fascinating about these little guys which tend to occur in both large bodies of water and those little flooded forests and blackwater tributaries that we obsess over, is that they're typically very specialized feeders, detritivores to be specific.
And they also pick up the biofilms and, you know, wood and rocks and leaves. Interesting, huh? I guess you might liken them to carp, fishes that will essentially eat just about anything. And some of them, like the little headstanders I just mentioned, are social and tend to shoal together as they feed, which is really fun to watch. It's fun to occasionally muse and consider the possibilities of smaller or more accessible versions of some of these really big, unusual fishes. There's so many out there. You just got to keep looking. What's the one fish that keeps you looking, hunting, or searching? Or what are the available analogs that you keep? That's something fun to muse about, isn't it? So stay hopeful, stay on the trail, stay relentless, stay dedicated, stay studious, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tenon Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tenth.